in any case, your favorite rappers out here and whatnot, and you talk about your legends and things, and the, before they scream racism, I got to see how they're putting in work because in the last decade, a whole lot been going on. And you see, if you all remember, LeBron James didn't want to stand up for Tamir Rice. I couldn't buy, I could not buy billboards with Lamar in the city of Cleveland. That was the only time that they turned me down. I couldn't buy billboards in the city of Cleveland after uh, Tamir Rice got killed. And y'all know me. I'm that dude. I'm that dude. They wouldn't let me buy billboards in the city of Cleveland about Tamir Rice. Particularly, they wouldn't let me buy billboards on that street that goes to the uh, arena, to the basketball arena there in Cleveland. They wouldn't let me buy billboards there. Now, here's the crazy part. LeBron James didn't say nothing either. That was while it was going on and while it was going down. That was what happened. In the middle of things, LeBron James chose himself. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. We're talking about people that their money is straight and everything else. Don't come over here to floss and things. If you're going to talk about racism, the time to talk about racism is before you walk in that arena, not after. The time for you to be talking about racism is before you walk through those doors, not after something has happened to you. There's a whole damn lot that's been happening out here since then. Dr. Dre has been quiet. At least he had the good sense that when he got hemmed up by the police, he just didn't say nothing. Yeah, dude, ain't nobody swinging in to fly into your rescue and defend you. You've been quiet all this time. You've been dead-ass quiet. I'll give Chris Brown credit. You damn right. I'll give Chris Brown credit. He's not the most articulate fella. He's not the most capable of speaking about this. But when the protest started jumping off, at least Chris Brown went to Instagram and said something. He went to Instagram and said something. I ain't saying you got to stand the tallest, but you got to stand. And what I'm saying is that I'm not casting aspersions. What I am going to say is that the time to be talking about racism is before you walk through those doors, not after. You don't sit up here and walk through the doors and everything. You've been going to the games for over two decades, and it's only when something like this happens, oh, hell, there's racism. Man, didn't you know there was racism before you walked in there? You can't sit up here and say, let's rally the troops now. We're going to jump up and say, let's rally the troops now? How does that work? And these are fellas, y'all got to understand, these are dudes who got way more resources than you or I. They getting paid off their albums. They don't get paid off of touring. They getting paid off of residuals. Okay, your money is straight enough to be showing up at these games. And I think E40, if I remember, he's got a bunch of restaurants and you know, that liquor business, or whatever. Hey, that's great. That's wonderful. That's cool. Man, y'all need to be stomping now. Y'all need to be stomping. Y'all need to be stomping. That's the kind of thing I'm taking a look at. Y'all need to be stomping. And they don't want to say nothing until something happens. It's like, okay, all right. 
By the way, E40 had an opportunity to be in one of my documentaries, by the way. I couldn't help but notice E40 had no problem talking to DJ Vlad. Tell you about these fellows who always sitting up cheesing in front of DJ Vlad like he's down with us, like he's one of us. Okay. I ain't going to say no names, but I'm just going to put it out there. By the way, whether I whether you cool with me or not, by the way, I couldn't help but notice all these dudes still talking to DJ Vlad. Oh, I couldn't help but notice. Couldn't help but notice, by the way, DJ Vlad come, these niggas come running like dogs. They come running like he got doggy treats. Black folk call him and all of a sudden, eh, we can't really fool with you. We can't return your phone calls. Well, in his case, they did return our phone calls. They just said no. I'm like, okay, you know what? That's great. Go back over there and go talk to the fans. Go ahead and see if you can get the fans to do anything on your behalf. So our so when our celebrity class wants to cry racism, I got to tell y'all, for our celebrity class, by and large, I got the deaf ear for that. Let me tell you something. There's a reason that we all got respect for Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving didn't wait until he was in a bind to say something. Kyrie Irving is saying something in the middle of a contract when the money is still there, when all eyes are on him, he didn't back down. We can't do nothing but respect that when we see and hear something like that. We can't do nothing but respect it because he's saying something now. And, oh, yeah, he ain't LeBron. He ain't moving LeBron money. And he didn't make LeBron excuses. He said what he had to say. He took the heat. He took the blows. He walked through it. And he's standing tall. And we respect him for that. We respect all of them who have done that. There's a reason why Kaepernick is an icon. He took the hits at the top of his game. He didn't wait till later. He took the hits when he was on top. You got niggas who ain't on top. They all the way over and ain't said nothing. But they showing up on DJ Vlad. They're showing up on SportsCenter. And they get real vocal when white supremacy puts a size 12 up their rump. They get real vocal. They get real vocal. And what I'm saying is it's hard. It's hard for me to come swinging into the rescue under those circumstances. Because I, I got to check and see the work that was put in. I got to check the paperwork and the pedigree. I got to see what's happening. If you retire from the rap game and you got residual money coming in from all these other businesses, I'm like, hey, man, this is great. And if you want to say, well, you know, black folks' issues is over there because I'm straight. You know what? That's okay, too. But when this right here happens, don't be surprised when it falls on deaf ears. No, I'm not the person who sits up here and tries to drag the celebrity class. And no, you will not lead, but I expect you to follow. No, LeBron James, I never expected you to lead. I only expected you to follow our lead. In the chat room, you right. Is E40 going to go to war after this? 
Somebody tell me, okay, E40, you just got your ass kicked by racism. Is E40 about to be about that life? Is E40 about to be about that life? Is he about to go there? Or uh, how many of y'all expected him to run to the studio? Well, what's it going to be? John Cougar Mellencamp is a white man. And he went to the studio after what happened in Gina, Louisiana, with them putting up them nooses. John Cougar Mellencamp is a white man, went to the studio and knocked out a song about Gina, take your nooses down. Bruce Springsteen is a white man, and he went to the studio for Amadou Diallo, 41 Shots. Bruce Springsteen's a white man, and he found his way to the studio for Amadou Diallo. And you think I'm going to give a pass to these old privileged little niggas over here? Oh, I'm not supposed to remind y'all of that, by the way. So I'm just wondering, A.E. Fonzarelli, E-40 Water. Um, we on the way to the studio? We're going to do. Or you don't put out your statement and whatnot, and, and the situation is, that was racism. They kicked me out. That's, that's racism, bro. It's racism. Okay, is we going to the studio? I got the song Hall of Game. I got it. I got it sitting here on my phone right now, as a matter of fact. E-40 and Too Short, Jodeci, love it. Y'all don't want to hear me bump it? But, uh, yeah, by the way, I thought that was great and everything. Yeah, I loved Rapper's Ball. Love Rapper's Ball. Um, yeah, I need you in the studio for something else, my nigga. I need you in the studio for something else now. So if all you're going to do is get frog marched out the game, and then you're going to put out a statement, oh, this was racism, this, that, and the other. Dude, that's not your biggest weapon, E-40. Your big gun is not sitting up here crying on Twitter. Your big gun is in the studio. Your big gun is making it bunk. You see, if you want to know why it is that rap is trash today, it's because the old timers who made the damage. Jason, going there? I sure am. Y'all don't let me mess around and stay stuck under one of my trucks too damn long. Rap is trash today because them old niggas. Y'all gonna make me blow out the diaphragm on this microphone. Rap is trash today because them old niggas sat up here and said, well, you know what? As long as I'm papered up and capered up, I ain't worried about nothing else. So they want to go around and get featured on songs. And they want to go around and talk about their status and their legends. And they want to ride up and down in the Bay and ride up and down in Los Angeles and ride up and down in New York. And meanwhile, the real estate has gone to hell. You supposed to be there and you supposed to be gatekeepers. These little young niggas ain't supposed to have no street cred lest they come through you. You supposed to be the gatekeepers in the bay. 
You're supposed to be the gatekeepers in L.A. I saw Kendrick Lamar when he sat there and talked to Dre and Cube. That was absolute reverence, and you get that everywhere. These young cats, all of them, they still talk that way about Snoop. The fellows who sit up here and they play the role of being the gatekeepers and, and the keepers of the realm, and that they're the ones who keep the legitimacy. These young cats looking for y'all. They've been looking for you. Problem, you niggas checked out. Don't tell me about Scarface. Oh, should I say that? Yeah, Scarface said he didn't have anything to do at the time. So since he didn't have anything to promote, he didn't see a reason he should be in our film either. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? Yeah. Oh, I'm not holding any grudges about it, Brad. But by the way, yeah, Scarface said the same thing. He said he didn't have anything to promote at the time. So since he didn't have anything to promote and he didn't have anything he was trying to sell, he really didn't see any reason to be in one of our films. Those were his words. Well, I don't have anything to promote right now or anything to sell right now. So, yeah, it was that. That's not even the biggest one I want to talk about. There's one in particular I do want to talk about. Damn it, I want to say his name so damn bad. I want to talk about who it is so damn bad. Y'all don't understand what I want to do here tonight. I want to say his name so damn bad, and my mods know who he is because I've talked to two of them about him. I want to say his name so damn bad. If I said this fella's name... Every single one of you would know who he is. I don't give a damn how old you are or how young you are. Every single one of you would know who he is. And I guarantee all of you love two of his songs. Ain't no ifs, ands, or buts. Guaranteed platinum plated. I want to say something so bad. I want to tell you what he said to me when I was standing right in front of him. Maybe one of these days I will. Jason is falling back for a reason. Y'all don't understand. I'm talking about I'm chomping at the bit. I'm chomping at the bit. I want to say his name so damn bad. I want to let niggas know so damn bad what the hell he said to me. Oh, no. The names y'all are naming on that screen? I'm just going to say one word. Bigger. Oh, my God, you a nigger. I see the names y'all have listed on the screen. I'm just going to say one, one word. Bigger. Bigger than them. Bigger than that. That's all I'm going to say. Bigger than that. One of these days, I will. I'm just going to tell y'all right now. One of these days, I will. And it's not going to be hard for me to prove it because I got it on video. But one of these days, I will. One of these days, I, I plan on... If they don't say it, I'm going to say it. But I'm just going to say right here, yeah, ain't no racism in their world. Yeah, they knew exactly who to pick when they, when, they, when they sent you to the moon. Ain't no racism in his world. Ain't no racism in his world, y'all. He's living off of the place. I mean, literally, you literally got to drive about 30, 45 minutes just 
to get to the damn gatehouse. All right, I'm saying too damn much. I might have to clip that out. I'm saying too damn much. I'm, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent right now. But what I will say is, yeah, yeah, ain't no racism in his world. Yeah. All right. I'm just like, okay, there you go. There it is. There it is. Yeah. No wonder these young cats. No wonder these young cats got that. No wonder. No wonder. Rain love because it's my damn program. I can say whatever I want to. Unless you're talking about them. Their case, the reason why they said it is because I know people. Okay, that's fine, but I'm not going to sit up here and, 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 and necessarily do something untoward, but I am going to say, by the way, I heard that. By the way, I heard that. I heard when you said that, okay. I'll still answer the phone if they call, but uh, all right, I heard it. So my point here, folks, is before I strap on the cape and before I do this black Superman thing, uh, I got I to gotta check the paperwork because I've met and seen so many of these people and just as soon as they got two quarters to rub together, they ain't worried about racism anymore. They're not worried about it anymore. They ain't worried about it. So when I see that word thrown around and whatnot, the first thing I say is, eh, because they wasn't doing it beforehand and they ain't really saying nothing after the fact. They ain't really saying nothing after the fact. Okay. I'll, I'll only drop this one thing for you all. It's not any of the little druggy rappers. This is a, this is one. This is one before the mid nineties, before the late nineties, not mid nineties, late nineties. This is before the late nineties. This is before the late nineties. And that's all I'm going to say. But it's not one of the little druggy rappers. And it's before the late 90s. Before that. And I'll just leave it there. But in any case, some folks got to wait till it come through. They got to wait till it come through, until it come down on them. And, and all of a sudden, boy, I'm telling you, this is black, 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 black. All right. It's great. And you know, seeing what happened to E40 reminded me of something. It reminded me of something. It reminded me of somebody I seen a little more recently. Oh, okay, I recognize you. Y'all remember Michael Urban currently has one hundred million dollar lawsuit going against Marriott. That was a tough one for me. Because, as you know, I am a platinum ambassador, whatever level you want to diamond, whatever level you want to give for whatever your hotel chains are. You name the hotel chain, IHG, Marriott, Choice, Hilton, um, you name it. And I've got the top of the list for all of them. Marriott Bonvoy, I got all of that. That's great and that's wonderful. And then you find out Marriott was doing this. And I got to put it at Marriott's feet. 
I can't put it at the Renaissance, the the company that was operating the hotel. I got to put it at Marriott's feet because Marriott was backing them. Marriott's lawyers didn't want to release the video. And once you release the video, you realize, no hell, yeah, the broad was lying. Once they released the video, the broad was lying. Michael Irvin had a few choice words when he did his press conference. I'm not talking about just in this moment. I'm talking about over the years. People that have followed me, my whole career, peace, and so many good values. This sickens me. This sickens me. Because in this great country, this takes me back to a time where a white man would accuse a black, a white woman would accuse a black man of something. And they would take a bunch of guys that were above the law, running them on, provoke around this place, drag him through the mud, and hang him by the tree. I thought about what would happen, not an investigation, not after repeated attempts of people trying to go and say, guys, here's what really happened. Here is what really happened. Here are witnesses that will say this, here are witnesses that will say that, and so we don't want to hear so I'm, I'm very glad to hear this. And in Michael's case, I'm going to be a little charitable because Michael has been calling out some of the things that he recognizes as racism in the league. I'm not going to make him Michael Malcolm X, but he's been calling out some things. He's been calling out some things. And in the chat room, by the way, the chat room needs to get back on topic. Some of y'all crack babies are running off just naming names, you've gotten off topic already. My chat room needs to get up, get up back on topic, or we're gonna start the mod straw bossing, one or the other. Chat room, get back on topic. So Michael had some choice words here to say, and I thought that was great and everything, because there are certain things I start to notice. There's certain things I start to take notice of. I started to take notice of that. And what I take a look at is when I read things like the Dallas Observer. Now, they did an article here. They did an article here in the Dallas Observer. And this is the reason. This right here is the reason that you got to stay on top of this. This is the reason. The reason why you have to stay on top of racism and you can't come in Johnny come lately is because their program is running all the time. Their program is running all of the time. Take a look at this article. The Dallas Observer. We have three questions after Michael Irvin's $100 million lawsuit press conference. We've got three questions. Then you go down and you check to see what the three questions were. Question number one, was this a racial incident? Now listen to what they had to say about that. 
In his opening remarks during the press conference, Urban said this case reminds him of when a white woman would accuse a black man of something and they would take a bunch of guys that were above the law, run into the barn, wrap a rope around his foot and drag him through the mud and hang him by the tree. The identity of the accuser is still unknown, although it has been reported the accuser is female. Later on in his remarks, Urban said, Quote, I couldn't even tell you what she looked like. I don't know. After explaining that he meets many people as he enters and exits hotels throughout the football season. The race or ethnicity of the accuser has not been identified by Irvin, his lawyer, or the eyewitnesses. Now, Michael Irvin didn't say he didn't see what race she was. He said, I couldn't tell you what she looked like. So there's a difference between telling you I couldn't tell you what she looked like and saying he didn't know that this was a white woman. But this is what the Dallas Observer did. Now, here's the other issue. The other issue is that that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. And the reason why that doesn't matter is because Michael Irvin's real gripe here is, yes, against the hotel, and yes, uh, certainly you want to talk about renaissance, but at the same time, this is going to be a situation where we're talking about Marriott. We're talking about Marriott. We're talking about Marriott here and Marriott's actions of not wanting to release the video. Marriott was asked by Michael Irvin's lawyers if they would go ahead and release the video so that they could show people what exactly is it you claim happened. What exactly is it you're claiming occurred? And don't you all know that Marriott went to work and said, we're not going to release the video. We're going to accuse you. They said, we stand by our hotel operator and we stand by our employee. That was what they said. After they had seen the video, they said, it clearly shows sexual assault. It clearly shows that. To which Michael was like, no, that didn't happen. Michael was like, that didn't happen. And they refused to release the video. His lawyers asked for it. They refused to give it. So what happened was that Michael Irvin's lawyers had to go to Texas and they filed in federal court in Texas because they, they knew Marriott has a corporate entity in all 50 states. But the whoever it was who was operating the hotel, that was who they wanted. Whoever was operating the hotel, that was who they wanted. And they didn't know where they were headquartered out of, and Marriott wasn't helping. So his attorneys had to go investigate where that was happening, where they were out of. That was what they wanted. So they wound up um, filing a lawsuit in Texas. So that they could get, they knew that they couldn't win a case against them in Texas. And so they only filed in Texas so that they could get the subpoena to demand the video as quickly as possible. So they sued Marriott 
and then they took it to federal court in Texas simply so they could do the discovery and get their hands on it as quickly as they possibly could. Because Marriott wasn't helping. Marriott wasn't helping. So when they, they had to go through all of these hoops to sit up here and get the evidence because Marriott wasn't going to give it. Marriott wasn't going to give them anything. Now, by the way, if anybody can go by Weight Watchers, my mod Aria, somebody can get her a gift package. She's a little confused about what she's supposed to do tonight. So, let's see if we can get her a gift package from Lane Bryant. But in any case, Michael Irvin's lawyers had to go through all these hoops and they had to file in Texas and do this end run in Texas because they didn't know where the Renaissance operator who was operating that particular Marriott hotel is a company called Renaissance. And they didn't know where they were going to get them. They didn't know where they were headquartered out of. They filed a lawsuit in Texas to get Marriott. And then they had to go double back. Once they figured out where they only wanted to get the hands on the video recording. Marriott was fighting that in Texas federal court. They were fighting it until the very end. When the judge got upset with Marriott, Marriott finally was forced to give up the video. The judge told them he didn't like what they were doing, and he told them that on Thursday, you have until the end of business Friday to get a copy of that video. All play. Man, now I wonder if they mean alcohol from the woman who accused him. I wonder if they mean alcohol from the woman who accused him. What role did alcohol play? During the press conference, McCatherine, that's his attorney, said that when Irvin was in the hotel's lobby area, he was drinking water. One of the witnesses speaking at the press conference, Byrne Davis, recognized Irvin and offered to buy him an alcoholic beverage, which he says, he, the witness says, Irvin declined, citing his ESPN television work in the morning. So he was at the hotel's lobby. There was somebody who offered to buy him a drink. He turned it down because he said, hey, I got to go to work in the morning. Uh, I, I can't do it right now. Got to go to work in the morning. So we have a witness who said, yeah, I tried to buy him a drink. Yeah. Irvin's alcohol consumption prior to arriving at the hotel was not discussed during Wednesday's remarks. However, on Wednesday, February 8th, Irvin gave a phone interview to local sports radio 105.3, the fan. In the interviews, Irvin said that he didn't recall the encounter with the accuser because he said, quote, I had a few drinks to tell you the truth when he met former Cowboy player Michael Brooks for dinner earlier that evening. So when he's telling, understand, this is before he saw the video, but he's not saying what they're trying to say he said. If you saw the video, there were literally half a dozen people who stopped him just in, when he came in the lobby, including the chick who worked for the hotel, and apparently her manager was mean mugging her 
because if you saw the video, you can go check it out for yourselves. The manager was mean mugging her because apparently she was supposed to be working and she stopped what she was doing to go talk to Michael. He literally had half a dozen people. There were people who stopped him outside the hotel to take pictures, get autographs, talk to him. And then there were half a dozen people who stopped him just from the front doors to the elevator during the so-called incident. Hell no, he didn't remember who it was. And Marriott wasn't helping. They said, hey, that woman you talked to said you sexually assaulted her. Which one? The one outside the hotel? The one inside the hotel? The one by the Which one? The white woman. Which one? What are you talking about? Who was it? I don't know. You don't remember him? Dude, I'm thinking about ESPN in the morning. I ain't thinking about none of these folk down here. I'm trying to, I'm tired, it's late, I just left my friend's place, I ain't trying to eat nothing, drink nothing, I'm just trying to get to the hotel. That's what he said in the press conference, I went to my hotel room and never left. He went to his hotel room that evening and never left. And the Dallas Observer is saying, well, you know. Was did alcohol play a role? Now, they didn't say did alcohol play a role for the woman who accused him. They're not asking about her alcohol consumption. Then you have the last question. Is the security video really a smoking gun? Irvin, his lawyer, and witnesses have been adamant that the security video from the hotel would show only a brief conversation between Irvin and the accuser. During the press conference, McCatherine said that after weeks of trying to get a copy of the video from Marriott, he was able to view the video, although he was not given a copy or allowed to make a copy of the video as he watched it. So Marriott originally let his attorney watch the video, but wouldn't give him a copy and wouldn't uh, allow him to make a copy. He said the video shows Irvin touched the accuser four separate times in the span of about a minute and a half, twice to shake hands at the beginning and end of the encounter, and two additional touches of the woman's arm as he was talking and laughing with her. The witnesses present also reported seeing nothing untoward from a physical perspective, especially as they explained, the accuser was allegedly laughing and acting jovially through the conversation. Now, Dallas Observer says, allegedly, they're saying that, that makes it sound like it's unsure. Take a look. What they're saying is that the witnesses said that she was laughing and joking. Well, how would the witnesses know? Because when you take a look at the video, basically, it was one of the bellhops who was trying to say that, yeah, he was touching on her. The bellhops were also circling around Irvin. And when she finished talking to Irvin, one of the damn bellhops or ballets who had been circling, who was later talking about, yeah, he touched on her. He was waiting to get an autograph. And take a selfie. Literally everyone that Michael passed was trying to get an autograph or a selfie from him. So when they say that she was allegedly laughing and acting jovially, well, who said she was? The witnesses said she was, but the Dallas Observer says, well, it's alleged. So you understand when it's time to attack a black person, when it's time to defend white supremacy, everything is alleged. When it's time to attack black folk, you claim that anything you saw happened against you. Well, that you're just alleging that. Well, allegedly, the witnesses said that she was laughing and joking, and that's why they were waiting for her to get the hell out of the way.
any of you from big cities that have big sports teams where athletes show up all the time, y'all know what it's like at the restaurants, at the clubs, at the certain hotels. You know when they show up and you know what it's like when they show up somewhere in public, everybody swarms them and people are circling around them. And as soon as he stops talking to one person, the other person runs right up on him. So, and Michael is trying to be nice. He's trying to be congenial. He's saying, hey, okay, you know, you don't want to be that fella. Because think about this. If he had told all of them, hey, I ain't got time to talk to y'all. I'm going to my room. They would have shown up on Instagram saying Michael Irvin was being an ass and was being rude. That's what they would have said. If Michael had just ignored them all and just walked past them and went to the elevator, then they would, the sports media would have sat on video and they would have said Michael Irvin was just being rude to everybody. Tom Brady wouldn't have done that. Tom Brady would have signed autographs and Tom Brady would have talked to him. That's what it would have been. Troy Aikman wouldn't have done that. Troy Aikman loves his fans. Michael Irvin, take a look at how rude he is. A prima donna. He has a job, big job with ESPN. He doesn't do much of anything. Okay, so Michael didn't walk past him. He talked to every person that he saw. He was congenial. Everybody was happy with him. That's why immediately when the, when the uh, allegations were made, he had three white men who were the witnesses who said, hey, I talked to him. I shook his hand. I was there. I was watching the whole thing unfold. That didn't happen. Okay, he did all that. Everybody's happy. Now it's, oh, well, you touched somebody. See? You can't win. Damned if you do. Damned if you don't. Damned if you try not to. So take a look what the Dallas Observer is saying. Irvin says he doesn't remember what the conversation with the woman was about. And the video seemingly did not include audio of the conversation. It's fair to wonder then if it was Urban's words, not his physical actions that compelled his accuser to report the incident to hotel management. Urban entered his press conference comments by saying, I know I didn't do anything wrong. Yet, as he has said on record multiple times over the past month, he also doesn't know what he said during the interaction. Okay, but the Dallas Observer isn't putting the onus on Marriott. They're putting it on Michael Irvin. They're not putting it on the person making the accusation, the entity making the accusation. They're putting it on Michael. Okay. But if my, if if Michael was making an accusation against Marriott, guess who they would put the onus on? Michael. They wouldn't say Marriott needs to explain this. Marriott needs to defend themselves. Marriott hasn't given out any evidence. Marriott hasn't given us reason to believe them. It would just be, well, Michael, you got to prove it. So wait a minute. If somebody accuses me and I'm black, I have to prove it's not true. Yep. And if I accuse them and I'm black, I still have to prove that it's true. They don't have to prove it. I got to prove it. Yep. So when you're black, the onus is on you, whether you are the accused or the accuser. Folks, I saw the video myself. It's on YouTube, by the way. It's been there for a month. Literally, you take a look at it, and it's typical sports athlete. When he's walking through a lobby, and five or six people want to get his autograph and talk to him and take selfies with him. They trying to, you know, shoot the breeze and stuff. This man trying to get to his hotel room. You know, he's, he's just, hey, and he's not being rude to anybody. So just for when you see him get out of the ballet and get inside the <laughs> building, he's talking to people, he's shaking hands. 
he's being this goodwill ambassador for ESPN and the NFL. You know, all those things they talk about. Let me tell y'all somebody who was rude as a son of a gun, and I can say it because we're from the same place, Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish was infamous back in Shreveport. Had his picture up in his high school and everything. Robert Parrish was infamous. Robert Parrish was infamous. He didn't talk to sports media. He didn't talk to the sportscasters. He didn't fool with the fans. Robert Parrish was infamous for that. You, we, we couldn't get an interview with him back in town. Robert was infamous for doing that. Robert wouldn't talk to nobody. You know who else wouldn't do it? Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was another one. He was another one that the sports media didn't like. He was another one the sports media did not like. Remember when Barry Bonds first got called up to the league? Remember? They were talking about how rude he was. He wouldn't talk to people. He didn't want to do interviews. He was combative with the press. He was standoffish. You didn't see him taking a bunch of pictures with fans. Remember? Remember that? I ain't no sports fan, but I remember that. Let me get a baseball emoji in the chat room. If y'all remember that that was Barry Bonds' rep before the steroid scandal, that was Barry Bonds' rep. Give me a baseball emoji in the chat room. If you remember, that was what the sportscasters and ESPN all doing. They used to rip him in the papers. He's not polite. He doesn't talk to people. He's combative. He doesn't talk to fans. He doesn't take pictures. Remember that? Barry Bonds was infamous. They was already hating on Barry. That's when Barry saw that McGuire was using the juice. Barry said, oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. No, 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 no. Hook me up with them niggles over there. Hook me up. Hook me up. We can go down the list. I don't want to start y'all naming names because you all get carried away quickly. But my, And I don't want my chat room getting filled up with that. But what I'm saying is y'all remember that's what they were saying. So... Okay, Barry Bonds, did he ever have a sexual assault scandal? No. Did he have another one? Yes. By the way, did Michael Irvin have a scandal before this? Yes. So if you're black, they come in. Michael Jordan, never been arrested. He gambles too much. What? Y'all remember when Michael Jordan, you gambled too much. He was never in financial trouble. Now, Dana White lives. Dana White of the UFC, when he ain't smacking up his wife, he lives at the casinos in Vegas. As a matter of fact, he got banned from the casinos in Vegas because he was winning too much money. They never, the sports media never said that Dana White gambles too much. He spends too much on money. He spends too much at the casinos. What the hell is too much at the casinos? Michael Jordan was never in financial trouble. But do y'all remember, they said that about MJ too, that he spends too much at the casinos. I want to say they said that about Tiger Woods. I want to say they said that about Tiger Woods, that he spends too much at the casinos. He gambles too much. Folks, we talking about pocket watching. He was never in, he was never in hot to loan sharks. He was never owing nobody money. Nobody ever repossessed his cars. Nobody ever foreclosed on his homes. None of that. None of that. And yet the sports media was criticizing Michael Jordan and saying that he spends too much money gambling. So they didn't have anything to go after him on. So they said, well, you know what? We're the, we're the, uh, 
with the moral police. Yeah, Michael Jordan sure does gamble a lot, doesn't he? Did that affect his games? No. Are you accusing him of betting on a game? No, he was he was gambling at casinos. You mean table games? Yeah. But he spends a lot on gambling. We wonder if there's a problem. Really? Really? So anybody who walks out here and, and, and acts like you don't see racism, they never ask where Michael Jordan's white counterparts, because he had no counterparts, but his, his white counterparts on other teams or on the team he was on, nobody ever asked what they spent the money on. Hey, you spend too much gambling. You doing, nobody ever said, you buy too many socks. Think about that for a moment. If you spend a bunch of money, you spend too much money. If you don't spend any, you ain't, uh, you're not reinvesting in the community. So what I'm saying is that you got to have 10 toes down and have your finger on the pulse of the street and to the people and to the soil before them folks come for you. And in Michael's case, I'm not saying necessarily that wasn't the case because, I, like I said, I, know, I do know that he, he said some words about back in January, as a matter of fact, I'm going to say. Back in January, he was talking about, you know, they, he thought the NFL was acting racist towards one of the uh, one of the coaches in the NFL. That I think he said that in January. In February, this happened. If I'm not mistaken, because I want to say I looked it up tonight, on the NFL Network or ESPN, he had made a comment about he thought the NFL was being racist toward one of the coaches. That was in January. In February, he got, he got caught up. In February, he got caught up. He says this in January. In February, yeah, you're off, you're off TV. For something I said on TV? No, it's not for something he said on TV. Something else happened. And Marriott's going to stand by it. So, yeah, we got to yank you off TV. I'll be damned. I'll be damned. Y'all can go Google that if you want to. I'll be damned. Okay. They ain't kidding. They ain't kidding. So if you're black out here and you didn't bopping around and you want to talk about racism after they come get you, it's like, okay, it's going to be real damn hard. Everybody needs to be out here stalking. Everybody needs to be out here saying something about it because they're going to come get you. At some point, they're going to come get you. That's what's going to be. No, they didn't say the sports media never said a word about Brett Favre's uh, spending habits. His spending habits were never the topic of discussion. Ain't going to be. His spending habits were never the topic of discussion and never going to be. Ain't going to come up. Ain't going to come up. So that's what I'm saying now. I got folks who jump up here and whatnot. I'm like, okay, man, is, is this your first time recognizing racism exists? Have you been on the job about this? Furthermore, will you be on the job tomorrow? Are you going to be on this tomorrow? Or is this a one and done? We see you tonight and then we won't see you again. If, as long as they let you back in the arena, everything's fine. Because I'm like, hey, if this arena has a racism problem, do I really need to be going back there? If you're going to tell me that this arena has a racism problem, then the next thing I got to ask is, do we need to be going back there? Because if you show back up next week and everything's sweet and everything's cool, well, then it's a good thing we all didn't get ourselves in a fluster over it. <laughs> 
It's a good thing we didn't. <laughs> Our black celebrity class out here, they do a whole bunch of that. They do a whole bunch of that. And let me be clear, I am not saying that it justifies <laughs> mistreating him. I did not say that. Not saying it now. No, it does not rationalize nor justify mistreating him. But by the same token, you got too many folks who racism ain't real till the folks pull up on them. Racism isn't real until they say their name and nobody responds. Hey, you can't do that. I'm OJ. Hey, you can't do that. I'm Tiger. Hey, you can't do that. I'm uh, Richard Sherman. Hey, you can't do that. I'm Jalen Rose. No, I'm not black. I'm Jalen Rose. I'm not black. I'm Stephen A. Smith. Hey, you don't you see who I am? They're like, yeah, we know exactly who you are. Get your ass out. Everybody, nobody really rides on racism until their name card doesn't work. They, they sit over there swiping the hell out of that name card. They ain't working. Damn, do y'all got the tap feature? Can I can I tap for my name card? No, man, you can swipe, tap, just manually input the numbers. They ain't gonna work. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. That's the point. So I'm just making sure that people understand that. I just want to make sure that people understand that. Because when you have a situation like this, roll up, man, y'all, this is why y'all need to be out here and stuff. You, you're not a part, part of black society until you want to leave the house. Y'all think about this for just a, a few moments here. Y'all think about this for just a few moments. Y'all remember Dre was just rolling down the damn street. A random white man accused Dr. Dre of having a gun that he didn't have. The police yanked him out of the car, put him in handcuffs. Never did go get the white man for following a false report. Never did go get him for that. Never did. Never did go grab him. Every time you turn around, these people got the ability to pull you if they want to. They got the ability to pull you if they want to. If they want to do that, they can do that. Then when something happens, all of a sudden folks want to come run to the rescue. They, they call in the cavalry. And the way I'm looking at it is uh, the, the cavalry is, is, is on appointment only. It's on appointment only. You can't sit up here and jump up because it's your turn. See, that's the difference right there is for those of us out here in the fields, we understand any day you get up, it's your turn. Any day. Any day you get up, it's your turn. It can happen at any time. You driving down the street, you walk into a hotel, you walk into a school, you walk into a restaurant, all these so-called public accommodations. Hell, you walking down the street, you sitting in your house, shout out both of Jean. You're sitting in your home. You can be sitting in your house and it's your turn. Do you understand that? 
You could be sitting at home and it's your turn. Well, I'll just stay in the house. I won't go nowhere. I won't drive. I won't go to the store. You sitting at home. It's not even, I'm not even gonna say it's a knock on the door. It's just a big boom. We in here. It's your turn. I ain't did nothing. I'm not guilty of anything. Y'all got the wrong address. We got the wrong address, but it's the right person. It's your turn. It's your turn. When? Right now, tonight. No, ma'am, you could be sleeping. You could be awake. You could be playing with the kids. You could be in the backyard. You could be working on the car. You could be butt naked in the shower. They like that too, by the way. They love catching you. They love catching you under circumstances like that. They love that. I'm not saying that as a joke either, because that's not a joke. Remember Breonna Taylor? I got to remind <laughs> you. Yeah, you sitting at home. Remember Breonna Taylor? Remember her? How many times I got to remind y'all? Breonna Taylor was naked. She got shot eight times. She was 100% stark naked when they gunned her down. I keep reminding y'all of that. You can't even claim you saw a weapon on her. She was naked when they killed her. For those of you who don't remember, she was sitting at home. She was in the bed. She was naked. It's your turn. But I'm at home, I'm naked, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, it's your turn. And then your celebrity class is out here quiet as hell, ain't said nothing. When these folks come and grab them somewhere, then they said they black for about two seconds. As long as they get threatened with jail, they black. As soon as they take the boot off their necks, they ain't. Shout out ASAP Rocky. So the celebrity class, for a lot of them, I'm like, okay, I got to check your credentials before I say anything. I got to check them. As far as I'm concerned, if you ain't been stomping against racism, don't yell it now. If you haven't been stomping against racism, don't yell it now. Don't yell it now. If you were cool with it, if it wasn't that pressing before, don't yell it now. And you're going to have to earn the right to say it after this. Not only can you not say anything now because you've been quiet, you can't say anything in the future until you earn the right to do so. You're going to have to earn that. And if you can't earn it, well, then guess what? It's not going to be nothing said. But enough playing around, because these folks want to sit up here and act like they live in the gated community. They live on the great side of town. It's all good and balling. They roll in their Rolls Royces and whatnot. And well, I ain't got to worry about racism. That's a problem for the rest of y'all. That's an issue for the rest of you. It's not an issue for me. That's one for y'all. So we out here on our own until something like that happens. Then all of a sudden, you're putting out press releases and holding press conferences and having difficulty hearing it. I'm having difficulty hearing it. I'm having difficulty hearing it. 
I'm, I'm a legend in the Bay. You're not a legend at that arena. At the arena, you just another nigga at the arena. I'm a rap legend. Your average Joe citizen at the uh, at the arena. Your average Joe citizen there. We're going to take a very brief commercial, non-commercial break. When we come back, I'll see about opening up the phone lines so you all can go ahead and give us a few calls. Everybody who ain't on that train tonight. Everybody who ain't on that train. Last night, we had a bunch of folk was on that train. No, not drink, D-R-A-N-K. Trank, T-R-A-N-Q. You know that new that new drug going around? We had, we had, we had some folks on the Trank last night. So hopefully the Trank people have filtered out so we can take some phone calls. But if not, we'll just wrap it up early. But in the meantime, I want to thank everyone, everyone, and I do mean everybody who has contributed to support tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, Super Chat, Venmo. Big shout out to Ogun Spirit. Ogun Spirit, thank you very much for your support. We appreciate that. Big shout out to you here. Big shout out here to Brenda Starr, to my man Leslie, and everyone else who has been, um, Matt Kesey, and everybody else who has been supporting tonight's program. We're going to take a very brief commercial, non-commercial break. When you come back, your phone calls. This is the Black Channel. In our motion pictures, your leading production house for handmade high-end movies for us by us. Grab your popcorn and drinks as Pin Art Motion Pictures presents you with binge-working visual entertainment that will leave you breathless. Stream all our titles for free. Visit our website to see Noxious, Noxious 2, Cold Case, and Valley of the Greens. Planned obsolescence. These power-packed, innovative, and unforgettable flicks take the boxes of all you could ever want in a movie. And coming soon to keep you at the edge of your seat. Await our most anticipated movie release. Escape from Velocity. Then our emotional pictures. Broadcast excellence. Look for us on Tube, Amazon, and wherever movies are streamed. For yours today, to experience all the benefits of ash cake and natural honey butter, with skin so smooth and soft, with ankles for shop ash cake on my toes at ashkaikin.com. Greetings, brothers and sisters. My name is George Jackson from the Foundation of Black America, and I am the Bill White team the goal of helping the family globally. The industry's been changing, and I've learned a lot. But how did we get here? How do we navigate issues we face in the workplace? How can we get our house in order? We the concept and intricacies of being black in IT, now on Amazon, as well as the best-selling guide to being black in IT. Go to beingblackinit.com. More threads, 
A brand owned by a descendant of Black American freedmen was created to uniquely address Black American history and contributions that have been intentionally hidden and suppressed. Use their apparel and more to learn and share the Black American history of Black inventions, heroes, towns, Black business districts, and more. Sign up and support not only American descendants of slave population and African American population. The book describes slavery and its residuals, Jim Crow segregation, social depredation, and other relevant issues to American descendants of slaves and African Americans, including the current political climate that does not address our issues. This is the Black Channel. I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, the Black Authority. Very glad to be with all this evening here. Shout out here to uh, Darius from Atlanta, Christine in the chat room, and everyone else who's contributed to the nice program. Um, we're not going to stay on terribly much longer here tonight, but I do want to get some phone calls so we can go ahead and see if I give you your feedback on this. So we're going to go ahead and open the phone lines here now. The number is 646-787-1933. That's 646-787-1933. Let me get caller from area code 910. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, my name is Eric calling from Waldorf, Maryland. Hi, Eric from Waldorf. What's on your mind? So... He thought he did make a song called Get Your Weight Up, where he said, pretty close to quote, niggas always trying to blame things on the white man, and niggas always trying to think, blame things on the bitch. So he's, he's been soft-shoeing. You know, there's more evidence that he's soft-shoeing and trying to play the, 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 the politically correct line rather than stand up for something. Well, like I said, I mean, for a lot of these folks here, brother, here's the way it works. When they're out here in the streets and struggling and can't deny white supremacy, they ain't really stand-up dudes by the den. They're not really stand-up dudes by the den, but they certainly don't have any 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 cause to overlook it. Once they start doing business and they start feeling like, well, hey, I'm getting the hang of this, that's the part you gotta watch out for. When they start feeling like they're getting the hang of it, it was like, okay, I opened a few McDonald's franchises. That's good. You know, Fat Burger franchise. I got a Black Enterprise magazine with uh, E40 and was a full football player. They opened the Fat Burger, which is great. That's wonderful. But when, when they start feeling like, okay, hey, this capitalism thing is working for me. This American thing is working for me. Hey, I'm getting a gold, American Express gold card. This, this thing's working for me. Then all of a sudden, the tune starts changing. And then it starts becoming, oh, well, maybe y'all need to work a little harder and this, that, and the other. So you, you got to be careful. That, that's when you start that turn you just call, called out right there. And you start seeing that happen. They start getting prosperous and they start getting separated. And then all of a sudden, you know, the rest of y'all need to try to live as all of you. And then you walk into a random NBA arena and bam, it's your turn. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. Like I say, I mean, y'all remember old Bill Cosby. Hey, you know, you couldn't stay out of trouble. Just pull your pants up and this, that, and the other. It's like, hey, Bill, did you pull your pants up? Well, in your case, maybe you did, but maybe you did it a different way. But, yeah, it's, all the rest of us, we, we need to do something different. We don't need scapegoats. The rest of us need to stop calling on these scapegoats. And it's our turn. But when it's their turn, it's like, ain't no scapegoats. Oh, it's real racism when it happened to me. It's happened to me. It's real racism. All right. 
Call America 929. You're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where you calling from? Uh, good evening, Ghost. My name is Daryl from Chicago. Daryl from Chicago. What's on your mind? Um, I'm just going to say this about um, Michael. I had the pleasure of meeting him one time. Cool guy. Shook your hand. Want to take you know take pictures, photos, and everything like that. And yeah, he can show you a couple of situations there that happened in the NFL. He called it out. And like you said, the movie called it out. He went right after him. I, I, I just find that to be very, very oddly convenient. He says something about the NFL and racism in January, February, you off the air for something that had literally yeah, right. nothing to do with being on the air. And by the way, one more thing. If this had been Tom Brady with an announcer's job, would this incident have gotten him yanked off TV? If this had been Brett Favre, Troy Aikman, Steve Young, would they have gotten yanked off of TV because a black hotel employee in, in, in Houston somewhere accused them of an indeterminate sexual assault, no details given, would that have been enough to get them yanked off TV? I don't think it would have. No. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Really? Done, done that. Really? And there's been numerous amount of where they've taken sportscasters off the air because of they stand up and speak, speak their mind. And when they do, they end up making some kind of crazy excuse for them to get them out, get them off the air. You're absolutely right. I mean, that tells you a whole lot. That tells you a whole lot. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. We appreciate that. Let me get calling from Erico 323. You're on live. Black Channel, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, good evening, big brother Jason. This is Brother Elijah calling out Jamaica, Queens, New York. All right, Brother Elijah, what's on your mind? Question. Um, You um, touched on a um, heavy point tonight. And I really want to know, when did the divide, or I'll say the gap started? Um, years ago, um, especially when we talk about our big name celebrities or um, basically our athletes, you had men like the Honorable, the late great Bill Russell, Muhammad Ali, they used to speak out on issues, and they were even, they were there during their prime. They did this before the money started flowing in, even after. When did brothers stop speaking out against um, racism and then now all of a sudden when they do speak out of racism it goes out of deaf ears because everything was fine until then. That's my Well question. remember when you're when you're talking about the heyday of the Bill Russells, the Kareem Abdul Jabars, remember we coming out the sixties. You coming right. right out the sixties. So just understand where we were at that time. So there wasn't a lot of tolerance back then, you know, for overlooking those things. You, you, you couldn't really get a pass like that. It was too pervasive. It was too obvious. You couldn't get around it. So back then, you were looking at a bit of a different situation culturally, historically. We, Dr. King had just been killed, Malcolm X, the Black Panthers, you know, um, Fred Hampton, Huey Newton. So that's, that's the backdrop of the environment when you start talking about the gym, that press conference with Jim Brown and Muhammad Ali and, you know, my, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And that, that's the backdrop you're talking about then. Today, we don't have that situation today. That's the bottom line. Thank you very much for giving us the call. Let me get called here, code 214. You're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? What are you calling for? Hey, 
Michael Irvin called out racism against the NFL in January, y'all. It wasn't a month before they got him up off TV. Do you think Michael Irvin is a stone-cold believer in it now? If he wasn't a complete believer in it before, and I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm just saying, boy, I'm telling you, everybody else has, has a wake-up call to him. He talked about them. He called out the NFL specifically for racism in January. February, man, look here, get out the building. Yeah, we know it's trumped up charges. Yeah, we know it's fake. Yeah, we know they lying. Get out anyway. Yeah, we know they lying. Get out anyway. Call from Eric 702. You're on live. Black Channel, what's your name? Where you calling from? Hey, Jason, man. This is Les from Las Vegas, man. Les from Vegas, what's on your mind? Man, Jason, man, I was in the, in the Air Force, man. I'm a retired Air Force, man, veteran. I'd have been to Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, Boise, Idaho, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, Oregon, Utah, all over the country, man. And let me tell you something. You know too. You know just as you know just as well as you travel all around the country. When I got out the Air Force and took a uh, took a job with a company in Northern California, let me tell you something, man. Everybody that's running around talking about oh, Northern California, San Francisco, that's so uh, Sacramento, that's so progressive. No, it's not. It was the most racist people I have ever met. I'm talking about man. There was the most racist white people I've met, man, in Northern California. I'm talking about North of San Francisco, that little area in Sonoma, Napa. The people, man, stone cold racist. Stone cold racist, man. So, I, I mean, I, I, I can see what he was talking about. Was, I mean, yeah, Northern California is one of the most racist places in the country. Oh, yeah. If, if no, people don't know for those of you who don't know, because like I said, I've driven Interstate 5 all the way down from the Canadian border all the way down to California. And so people, first of all, is a long drive. That's the first thing. Neither the map nor the globe really uh, do justice to the size of California because America's actually shaped like a fishbowl and maps and globes tend to flatten it out and squish it down more. California, just coming from down, all the way down from Oregon all the way down to, to Los Angeles, like a 12, 14-hour slog. It's really unreal. But you're right because when you come down to California, it ain't nothing but mountains and trees in the first northern part. You're just going to drive and drive and drive and drive. And then finally, it's nothing but a bunch of orchard, orange orchards. And I eventually, I ran out of gas while I was running low gas. And I had to stop at one place. It was some little old place. that Literally, there was just this little old diner. That was all there was. Little old diner. I took a picture of it. Little old diner. And I mean, it's like probably about the size of your house if you got a lot of home. And no, no, that negative. I'm sorry about this little bit big in your living room in a decent house. And it had about 12, 14 cars around. So apparently this was the spot. I walked up in there. I saw what the hell was sitting up in there. I was like, I, I feel like I'm in Mansfield, Louisiana. I feel like I'm in Biloxi, Mississippi. I was like, it's dirt roads. I'm talking about dirt roads. Um, that's the freeway exit. Y'all got a damn freeway exit to a dirt road? Where we do this at? I'm, the, I'm like, I've been to Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas. I can't remember. I, I can name like one that's a freeway exit to a dirt road. This is California, Interstate 5, one of the super major arteries in America. A freeway exit to a dirt road? I'm like, okay, let me, I'm stopping at the next exit. Let me go on down here. I, I see where I'm at. 
up stopping at the next exit. So yeah, coming down through Stockton, Sacramento, you know, and, and when you get to the Bay, I mean, it's, folks are under misconceptions about that. They really, really are. So everybody got, either you already understand, we know the Panthers came out of Oakland, we get that. But there's a lot of folks who ain't got their wake up call. There's a lot of them who want to believe yeah. just because Tupac made a song about the place. It's, it's like, dude, are you recognizing where you're at? And that's the other thing. Yeah, sure. our, our musicians are supposed to be our bards. They're supposed to be our poets. They're supposed to be the keepers and the holders of the culture. They're supposed to give us the songs and the tunes that remind us of our place in history. That's what they're supposed to do. So when you talk about California and you don't put it in its proper context, you're doing malfeasance to the people. You know, when Ice Cube was talking about straight out of Compton, that was on the same album with F the Police. You're putting it in this proper context. And if that's not being done, then we're doing malfeasance to the people. You're giving them junk food. You're not giving them what they need. I'll yeah. have the last word. Yeah, I totally agree. Hey, Jason, I wanted to like, it's been almost 30 years since the Million Man March on Washington. How about we do a, 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 another million black men march on Washington in 2025, man. Let's have a million black men get together and march on Washington. It's been the, the Brother Medicine, October, what was that, October 1995? It's almost 2025. We need to have another million black men march on Washington, man. Well, here's, here's, the, the, I, here's how I feel about it. I would rather see a million dollar march. I'd rather see I'd rather see a million black men do a million dollar march. We've already done the march on Washington three or four times now. Right now, what are we taking back home? We don't need all of us to travel to DC to get on the same page. We're supposed to be on the same page right now. So more than a million man march, I'd rather see a million dollar march. And when you got black men, since we can't count on these other folks here. When if you see black men get serious, because let me explain to you. All right, let me put this in a proper perspective for you all. So you got Michael Irvin here, and he's getting hemmed up in the damn Marriott, and that's kind of messed up there. Depending on the hotel, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give you all a little bit of game here. Depending on the hotel, it's going to cost you anywhere from $7 million to $20 million to build a basic hotel that you all are used to, depending on the materials. If you're talking about something like a Holiday Inn, a Wyndham, a Choice Hotels, that's going to run you about $7 million to build one of those. If you're talking about building something bigger, now we're talking about a four-story, let's say, Homewood Suites, now you're getting in the area of $15 to $20 million, depending on the size of it, how many keys you got, you know, how many rooms amenities and whatnot. So you're talking about from at least a seven million to twenty million. Now we're not talking about something like the Sheraton. I'm not talking about something tall like that. I'm talking about something that's a bit more manageable. One of those places you always stay for a day or two. So we're not talking about something like the Renaissance or the Madison or you know the Marriott or something like that. Now you'd be talking fifty to a hundred million. So I'm not talking about that. But what I'm saying is dude, you can build a very decent hotel and a very nice hotel for, you know, $10, $20 million. Now, I'm not saying you and me are sitting on $10, $20 million. What I'm saying is the problem is we ain't sitting on $10, $20 million. 
And when you don't, that's what subjects you to this. That's what does it. Because you see, you see these kind of stories here. You know, you don't see these kind of stories from the Indians. You know why? Because the family that owns mm-hmm. those hotels in America is the Patel family. So they people don't be straight. Yeah. You know, if you had a hotel, you better act like you got some sense with those East Indians because their people own these things. They ain't just talking about it. They own it. And what I'm saying is that's if more than a million man march. We already know what our marching orders are. We need to get to work on that. I would like to see that a lot more. I'd like to see some fellas up here and say, hey, look, if I put in the next five years to do what Jason said, double your income every three to uh, two to three years, and you got if you got a thousand black men who are on that, at that point right there, you stop being beggars in the situation. You start calling hands. Now that was just for um that was just for, let's just say for um uh, for a hotel. Now, let's just say that you and me want to do like man E. Fonzie Water, and you want to, let's just say you want to open a fat burger, a Five Guys, a Red Robin. You don't need a million, maybe $2 million, about $2 million to McDonald's. I'm not sure what the numbers for Fat Burger and and Red Robin are, but let's just say that a Red Robin is going to run you $2 million. Let's just just say it's the same as McDonald's. I haven't looked it up, but let's just, for the sake of argument, let's just say it's $2 million. Um, case in point right there, four fellas with $500,000, if you're going to go in on that. Okay, now y'all own that one. It's economically viable. Great. Now, let me wrap all this up in a neat little bow for you. Now that you got your business set up, you own this hotel there, you own that restaurant there, guess who the sponsors at the NBA game is? Are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Let me say that one more time. Now that you've done that, now you got the ability to start sponsoring things like that. Do you think the reception's gonna be different when they see that's the way you play in things? I'll let you all think it over for a minute. I'll let you all think it over for a minute. Think it over. To get a Chick-fil-A, you actually got to get in. They got to approve you for that because Chick-fil-A doesn't actually charge you for the franchises. They got a wacky system for how they approve franchisees. It's real wacky. But there's a bunch of other options out there. And that's what I'm saying is that if you want them folks' attention, being power brokers works differently. If you really want to fix that kind of thing. So beyond a million man march we got the marching orders i'm like get to the work orders get to the work orders let me get caller from erico 678 you're on live with the black channel what's your name where you coming from what's going on Dennis? i'm calling out of atlanta all right dennis out of atlanta what's on your mind yeah building on what you were just talking about like um I've been had this. I've had I've had that vision for a long time, and so it's like, well, what you saying? Okay, we can be the sponsors. We can be the super pack. We can be all these things, right? Uh, how about instead of looking at brands that are established already, looking at you know just our own brand? Because because that is the that is the I understand what you're saying here. That is the hardest thing to do because it would be different if you were just flying in from Mars. 
and your brand was on equal footing with everyone else. When you let's just talk about luxury brands, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Chanel, Dior. You're talking about brands that are a century old. You're talking about brands that are a century old. They got stores already around the world. They've got investment, major investment around the world. They didn't just show up one day. You're talking about major investment that's going on for a century. So that's the arena that you're walking into. So when you talk about making a hotel, yeah, you could do that. But let's just take the hotel thing, for example. Hey, why would I want to go ahead and go through Holiday Inn or IHG or Marriott? Why don't I just do my own? Because these other folks have an amount of name cachet that you simply don't. You're one hotel in one place. Let me give you an example. For example, when it comes to uh, an outfit like um, IHG or Marriott, they've got they're just their, um, their scheduling system, just that system, the reservation system that they use, that's really a mega multi-million dollar thing. I'm talking about hundreds of millions of dollars because their reservation system is actually this super sophisticated thing. I'm not overstating it. It's a super sophisticated thing, which is what plugs into sites like Kayak. I don't know if the Kayak is hotels, but Hotels.com, Priceline.com, you know, um, Booking.com. That system that they use that's so integrated to so many others we're talking about a mega hundreds to as a several hundred million dollar system, just the reservation system. And if you bought it, it would probably cost you a couple of billion to buy that reservation system that they have because it's integrated and works into everything. That's what works into the key cards. That's what works into the audience systems. When Hilton did their upgrade to, to the smart key system, that was a billion, two billion dollar process. You go look it up. I was there when they were doing it. I remember talking about when they did it. I was like, billions of dollars? Yeah, they're like, we're going to replace it. They wanted to do it through all their hotels. They actually wound up not doing it. They wound up just picking and choosing. Probably when it's over, they're going to have all of the smart keys. But you know, they started with the, the really expensive hotels first. So like, you know, Hilton, Lincoln Center and things like that. Then they started moving to the Homewood Suites and things like that. So what I'm saying is that was a, that was a billion, two billion dollar process just to switch over from what they got to smart keys. Now that was for them to switch over. Imagine you trying to wire up a system like that yourself and getting it so that it works, but it works whether the person came to your website, whether they came to booking.com and then you got to get on booking.com, whether they got on priceline.com, first you got to get on priceline.com, whether they booked on hotels.com, first you got to get on hotels.com. So I'm just saying this, that's what people expect now. This, that's not a perk anymore. And I'm not saying that people necessarily expect smart keys, but they expect that kind of system-wide integration that once they've made their reservation, boom, it's all done. So that's why I'm saying that, you know, it, it, it's, it's a bit harder than that. The, the, the customer base has been conditioned to have a certain set of expectations. And, they, and the bar keeps getting higher. These are not small things. That's just the functional aspect. That's not what's really hurting you. I just said that's the functional aspect. That's not even what's really hurting you. What's hurting you is do people even know who you are? Because you can be set up in a major city, but you're already competing against all these major mega brands already. How much are you going to have to spend just to stand out from the crowd? So you spent, let's just say, 
$10 million in a hotel, do you realize how much you're going to have to spend just on advertising just to let people know, hey, I'm here? And really, if you only have one hotel, is that going to help you? You would really need to have a number of them. Now your cost of investment just went from $10 million to $100 million. And that's just to be equally viable. And you got to stay financially viable during the whole time. So you're really going to have to have a bunch of money set back so uh, until you actually get to that point. Because you're not a part of anybody's system. And the customers today, I'm saying when folks get ready to go book to go to Disney World or go to Los Angeles or what are they going to look for? They're going to look for that type of system that they're accustomed to already. And if you're not a part of it, you're not in it, you'll be the last one they look for. Didn't say it's fair is right, but this this welcome to capitalism. That's the way it works. So I'm and I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying if you were to do that today, you're basically saying I want to start this from the ground up. Somebody in the chat room said the turkey leg hut. Let's be very, very clear. The turkey leg hut, you're talking about one restaurant in one city. In a for them advantageous place. But let's be clear, for every turkey leg hut. I can name for you five or seven restaurants that don't make it. Every turkey leg hut that you can name for me, I can name five or seven that don't make it. So turkey leg hut is not the rule. Turkey leg hut is the exception. Proud of them. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. But just like, and they will tell you this. This isn't Jason Black talking. If you call the woman who owns turkey leg hut and her dude, they will tell you that they are the exception, not the rule. So I'm just saying, can you do it, brother? Yes, you can. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Remember, Dave Thomas was one of Colonel Sanders' franchisees. Remember? For those of you who don't remember, Dave Thomas was one of Colonel Sanders' franchisees. Dave Thomas started off as a short order cook. And then he got into the uh, business side of doing restaurants. Next thing you know, he had KFCs. He was one of Colonel Sanders' colonels. Y'all can go look the pictures up on Google Images. Right there, wearing the white suit with Harlan Sanders himself. But Colonel um, Dave Thomas said, You know what? I think I can do better, and I really want to start something. Now everybody's accustomed to it. Now everyone's accustomed to it. Take a look at how that happened. Just that quickly. Take a look at how it occurred. Now, guess what? The marketplace is, is has been conditioned to that. The marketplace has been conditioned to expect that and accept that. Now, if you don't have a place, a lot of folks are looking for an app. Even if your food is better, they're looking for you to have that simply because they're conditioned and accustomed to it where they're from. Hell, since Uber Eats, take a look at how many folks are accustomed to that now just because of Uber Eats. Now, that's the restaurant business. And that's why I say, I don't know if the Turkey Leg Hut has an app or not. I do know that's what most, in just a matter of 24 months, that's what most of your customers are accustomed to now. Most of them. Not some. Most. So just understand, when you're asking those questions, they're good questions to ask. Everybody asks them. There's a reason why the incumbents in the field, you know, 
kind of act the way that they do because they understand you can compete against us, but it's a very steep barrier to entry, not simply because of costs and permits and things, because the competitive landscape. Do you have an app? Do you have a couple of drive-through windows? Do you have wherewithal? Do you have the ability to change up what you're doing? You know, do you have that? Those are the kind of things you're looking for. So I, I hope that uh, clears that up. Crystal clear, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much for giving us a call, y'all. He was dumbfounded. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So some of these rappers talk about they sitting on mills. Uh, yeah, they could have done that. Some of these folks sitting on mills, they could have done that. They could have done that. So when they stood up here and start boo-hooing and crying and singing the blues and talking about they're upset and this, that, and the other, and what about racism? I'm like, hey, by the way, this stuff that we're talking about here, that's a problem. That's a problem. While we talking about it here, just understand that's a problem. Like I say, in E40's cases, I understand he used to have a fat burger franchise if he doesn't still have it. Just giving you all some idea here. I'm not just yanking things out of the sky. Just understand the, the landscape that we're in. It would be would be hella nice if you had had some of these folks instead of flossing and buying a big ass house, instead of trying to floss on the poor folks around them, instead of instead of trying to floss on their poor fan base. Hey, you know, we need y'all to go in a little bit deeper. I don't have respect for what y'all are doing over here. We don't need another nigga buying, a, a, buying his fifth Bentley. Okay, you already bought two or three. I'm just saying, hey, go ball out. Get as many Rolls Royces and Bentleys as you want to. And when the man come to get you, just remember that's where your investment went. Let me get one more caller here. Caller from Erico 203, you're on live. The Black Channel, what's your name? Where are you calling from? This is a special black from Fairfield County, Jason. All right, brother, what's on your mind? Thank you. Uh, great broadcast, and um, I appreciate all the callers who chimed in about the subject. Um, it's unfortunate E40 had to go through that, and you broke it down, you know, having Michael Irvin about racism and the system of sports and entertainment and um i guess it's a learning experience again you know like a slap in the face the wake up call and moving forward you know you mentioned about uh investing and um you know how to transition our agenda and movement and uh these are some of the uh um let's say um stop signs that we can encounter, like um, what E-40 experienced with Michael Irvin and us being on the front line and getting some business that we get that million dollar march. Great idea. First time I heard about it. These are some of the things we can expect. I was the one to talk about the turkey, the turkey hut. You know, that can be uh, maybe um, a seed thought moving forward to consider the sponsorships at the arena. So. It's something that I'm thinking about that, you know, 
And no, it's, it's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not disparaging it. It's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think that's a great thing. Turkey Lake Hut is doing great. I think I was in the second location or something. If they hadn't, they need to. But um, like I say, definitely, I think that's a great thing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm just explaining to folks. Just understand, for those for those of us who didn't sell 10 million albums, and for those of us who don't have a home in the Hamptons because you know we went multi platinum or something. For the folks who did, by the way, like I said, I'm like, okay, I'm seeing holes in the game and gaps in the game. If you sold a million albums 20 damn years ago, what I'm saying is I, I should see 20 years worth of progress. I should see okay. 20 years worth of progress out of them. That's what I'm saying. And I agree. Thank you very much for giving us a call here. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. I want to take a moment here. To acknowledge that, I want folks to understand what we're looking at here. Going forward, now, I'm not saying that anybody deserves to be a victim of racism. I ain't saying anything like that. What I'm saying is, hey, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a ton of cure. And our celebrity class, y'all need to be stomping more than us because you got less to lose. There's my real issue. You got less to lose. Somebody sitting on residuals from albums, you got less to lose. I'm not talking about saying something really crazy and screwball. I ain't talking about talking about DEFCON 6 on the Jews. I didn't say that. Yes, I meant DEFCON 6. I meant what I said. What, Jason? I said 6. You get the point. Because negative 1 wouldn't have been... And I didn't say any of that. But what I am saying here is that we got fellas ain't saying nothing on what's happening on the streets on a daily basis. Like, hey, we should know they got our backs. We should know they got our backs. We don't. So when something happens with them, I got to check the paperwork. I got to check the paperwork. Folks, by the way, you know, you do not post good night in my chat room. That's grounds to get removed. Don't post good night in my chat room. You don't do that. But y'all, if you want to know where I stand on it, that's where I stand on it. Thank you very much for checking in with us here tonight. If you are new here to the Black Channel, welcome to the Haven of Intelligent Black Thought. We do this every weekend. Click that red subscribe button. Click that yellow notification bell. Join us each and every time that we're here. If you haven't been to our website, blackchannelfilms.com, you want to go and check out our groundbreaking, best-selling documentary work, 7 a.m., Gentrified, Race War, all available on DVD and streaming. Go to blackchannelfilms.com. That is blackchannelfilms.com. I want to thank all of you for joining us here tonight. Thank you for contributing to tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, Super Chat, Venmo. Thank you very much to Shani Blake and everybody else. And this concludes tonight's broadcast of the Black Channel. I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, the Black Authority. And until next time, my brothers and my sisters around the world, remember, Black is the future and the future. is uncompromising.